It's like quitting a job when you got nothing in savings and no new job lined up. You could slap a headset on a potato and the Texans would probably do better. You know, imagine the psychological warfare of letting Gritty loose in an empty rink. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I'm Justin Wright, your co-host, and I'm joined by my stalwart co-host, Jared Miller. What's up, guys? I'm here for another week to talk sports with you guys. It's, all, it's always a good week when we get to talk sports, Garrett. And it's an even better week when we get to have another guest on from our good friends, the Get Back Guys. This week, we have Alex. Say hi to the folks at home, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're super glad to have you. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on. Uh, for any of our listeners out there who don't know yet, uh, Alex and I used to be co-workers together. We worked at a mm-hmm. sports shop in a mall here when we were in college. So this is not our first time talking sports. Not at all. Not at <laughs> all. Alex and I are both teachers. Oh, so we had a few classes together. Mm-hmm. When we had those classes together, Alex refused to talk to me. Wouldn't even look at me. Untrue. <laughs> you know except for the projects and stuff we did together i mean i guess <laughs> the group we were in all the time <laughs> so we have alex on for a couple reasons today first off it's because we love him so much like we just that's said that's true that's true and uh second off because we want to talk about his miami heat let's go they're doing really well in the nba playoffs right now probably one of the most surprising teams and one of the hottest teams yeah, not just because their name's Heat. <laughs> uh, so, Alex, why don't you just give us a little bit of a update on the Heat for anyone who doesn't know yet, but they should. Yeah, share the hype, brother. Well, I mean, a little, little backstory about me. Uh, I think one of the best parts about living in Montana, where we're at, is that there's no professional sports team, so you kind of get a pick and choose. And that's my belief, anyway. As long as you stay loyal, that's my belief. So I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan for football and then a Miami Heat fan. I got into the Heat because of Dwayne Wade and then LeBron coming over. never hurt. But I've stuck with them. And this year, man, they going into this year, I remember thinking they were sneaky, that they were going to be pretty good. And then as the regular season went on, they, they were solid. I mean, they were constantly in the third and fourth seed. Uh, and then, unfortunate, virus hit. Luckily enough, we got sports back, NBA comes back, and they have just been grinding. I, I mean, the heat mentality is killing it. And they've lost one game in the playoffs. They've looked insane. They beat Giannis, who they also beat in the regular season. Every matchup before the, the shutdown happened that we had with them, we beat them. And people tend to forget about that stuff because nobody brought it up except for me and, uh, like, my one other heat a fan friend I know but they're they're grinding I've actually got the Boston game on right now and the Heat literally just took the lead with 22 seconds left so I'm pretty uh, hyped I mean they're they're grinders man they've, they've got a to me they've got a little bit of like like the New York Giants or even my Eagles run that they made in the uh, Super Bowl the last few years I think they can beat anybody left in the bubble and I think we got the talent for it. I think we got the defense for it. We got the shooters for it. I love it. I'm hyped. Yeah, well, you've got every reason to be. And I know, uh, I mean, I'm pulling for them. I love a good underdog story. And I think Justin's pulling for them just because of their jerseys. Well, I, I really like the Heat's jerseys. But I do have a student that uh, is a huge Celtics fan. I know she's been listening to the podcast a little, little bit. So shout out, Lily. And she's a huge Celtics fan, um, loves basketball, like lives and breathes it. So I feel like I kind of got to pull for the Celtics for her. Get um, out of here. <laughs> sorry, Alex. I, I'm a teacher that cares for this students, actually. Ooh. Oh, I, I tell all sorry, my that kids. Was, that was better, mean. I'm sorry. I tell all my kids daily, you better be on that Eagle hype train. <laughs> Do you really? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes oh. I get backlash. Uh, yeah, I got a big Buccaneers flag in my classroom that I hang in there like day one. It hasn't stuck to anybody yet, so good luck, man. Good luck. Well, uh, you know, talking about the Heat kind of having that feel of a, a wild card team, as you described the Giants or maybe even the Eagles who weren't a wild card, but many didn't think they were going to do much in that postseason. Uh, here's a fun little stat for you guys. Did you know that this is the first ever Eastern Conference Finals that doesn't feature a number one or number two seed? 
Nice. I saw that the other day. That's very cool. Yeah, this uh, Heat's a five and Boston is a three. So already making history with this series. It's just kick or tipping off on a Tuesday night, the night we're recording this. Yeah. And Alex, I like that you talk about like the Heat mentality. And I think that same thing kind of goes for a lot of the teams in the bubble right now. With the sports shutdown, teams lost their momentum. And we talked about this before on the podcast. But teams lost their momentum. They didn't have anything to carry through. They had that time off and you know, they got back to it. And I think a lot of them are able to change their mentality. Cause if you're just like in a slump, you know, sometimes that, that slump mentality, there's been Browns players that have talked about this back when they were an 0-16 team, that slump mentality is tough to get out of. And it, 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 it does affect your play and it affects the things that you do. And you know, the heat were doing well beforehand, but you know, I think, uh, I think that break honestly helped a lot of teams out and we've kind of seen it in hockey too. You know, the Canadians kind of made a, they made a, they made a name for themselves this year where they weren't supposed to do anything. Yeah, definitely. And uh, first off hockey, quick little shout out to the Dallas stars who are advancing to the (laughs) Stanley cup finals for the first time since 2000. Congratulations to Dallas. I know, I know a lot of people uh, actually just one who's very happy the Knights lost. So But uh, back to basketball and talking about that extended time off, uh, not just the months that these players got off for the COVID break, but, you know, Alex, it was a question I was actually going to ask you, but it's one that I think the Heat have kind of been answering for everybody. They've won these two playoff series so far really efficiently, you know, swept the Pacers in the first round and then upset the Milwaukee Bucks in five. So that's given them some extended time off between series and I was just going to ask how you think those extra days off have been uh, helping the team. I think they do help. Um, I know some teams, yeah, they can, they can kind of not come back. And I think we've, at least in this game that I've been watching now tonight, it's kind of started a little, a little slow, but they, the heat tend to pick it up. I, I, I talked about this on the get back guys, our episode we had last Saturday when we air and the the coach with the most experience really left is either Doc Rivers or Eric Spolstra. And Eric has been here. He knows how to coach these guys. So time off doesn't matter, I think. Uh, I mean, outside of just keeping your body healthy. I think he knows how to get these guys going. I think he knows how to get them playing. Uh, and Jimmy Butler coming over was huge because I think Jimmy finally has a coach that fits with who he is and the culture fits who he is and the guys rally around it. Uh, and I think that has helped tremendously here. I mean, you remember when Jimmy, Jimmy was like on the wolves, he was beating all the starters with the practice squad. He was arguing with the Sixers and uh, he came over here and the complete culture changed. We drafted really well. We've got young guys who are really good and they just bought into this. Let's grind. I mean, Jimmy's even talked about this is a work trip for him. You know, I got to be, I got to be gone for three months. I got to, I got work. So I, they, they're locked in, they're loaded. I don't think, I think the time off has really only helped, help their bodies and help the prep. I don't think it's hurting us at all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually really glad you bring up both of those guys because I was going to uh, bring up first off Eric Spolster, like you said, you know, I think there's a few coaches in the NBA who I'd put in that top tier and he's definitely one of them. Like you said, he's got the pedigree as far as the playoffs are concerned. He's been here several times before. I think he's made nine playoff appearances in his 12 seasons as a head coach. Miami, four NBA Finals trips all in a row and two NBA Finals wins. So you can't ask for much more in terms of the experience department. But he's also a real good players coach, I think, which I think is what makes it such a good fit for Jimmy Butler when he came over. For sure. Yeah. Very much unlike Tibbs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to do a little bit of a coaching comparison with uh, Brad Stevens, who's coaching the Celtics. And I think he's a really good coach, too. Obviously, he hasn't coached in the league nearly as long and doesn't have a NBA finals appearance or obviously victory under his belt. But, you know, he does have five playoff appearances in his first six seasons as a coach. And I think when all is said and done, he'll probably have a couple uh, finals titles to his name too but if I have to go with a head-to-head coach matchup right now I have to give it to Spolstra just because of the extended years of experience he has on Stevens and this is the first time Boston is in the Eastern Finals right under Brad 
Uh, actually, right. think... this is this is his third conference finals appearance. He went oh, okay. So 2016, 17, and 2017, 18, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, but haven't got past the hump. And uh, they've got a, I think they've got a really tough test with Miami here in this one. So right now, Brad's just basically uh, Andy Reid in the 2000s. Just he's constantly one game, you know, one series away from getting there, but a really good coach. But we just got to see him, see him get there. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I sit with him too. Here's a kind of a less analytical question, just a more broad for you. If the Heat advance, who would you rather see him play in the finals? We got the Lakers who are a shoe-in in the Western Conference Finals, and then we still got to decide it between the Clippers and the Nuggets. But of those three, who would you rather see? I think we can beat all of them. I think we could in a series. I think we've got the defense and the players to actually guard. I think Bam is very good on defense. I think he can – pretty much guard anybody you know well enough but weirdly enough I mean I'd prefer the Nuggets because I think the Nuggets are the weakest of the three left but if I had to pick the other two it's weird because I'm more fearful of LeBron but I think we could beat the Lakers better than we could the Clippers uh, it would depend on which Paul George shows up for the Clippers because he's been inconsistent since he's been in the bubble but I, I don't think the Lakers' depth necessarily right now is as good as ours. I think the Lakers would give a lot for one of our shooters who are young and really good, like Hero or Nunn or uh, Duncan or even Goran Dragic. But I would probably the, – the Clippers probably be the third on that list, I guess. I, I don't know. It would be – I don't know. I mean, I'm scared of the Clippers and the Lakers a little bit, but not – I, I think we could take them, but prob- probably the Lakers is who I would prefer to face. And that's who I think we're going to face. I think, I think the Lakers are going to end up making it. All right. All right. Uh, so, Justin, I'll ask you a question then. All right. Hit me. How many games do you think this series with the Celtics goes? Honestly, I think they take it to seven. Eight and five. <laughs> okay. Oh, you All got right, it? I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> Uh, no, I think the Celtics are a really tough team. You know, I think on offense, they can be, you know, they're good. I don't know that they're the best offense out there. They're obviously a good offense, but on the defensive side of the ball, on the defense, I feel like they are, they're truly elite defense for the NBA. Um, this is me coming from very casual observations. As I've said before, I am not a huge basketball fan. I'm working on it. (laughs) Um, but I don't know a lot about the game. Well, you know enough to know that they are one of the better defenses. You know, actually, the Celtics are, I believe they're one of the best defenses, if not the best defensive teams left in the bubble in terms of uh, opponents' points scored per game. I think they're number one in that. So if the Celtics win this series, I think it is going to come off their defense. And you know the old phrase, I mean, defense wins championships. Um, so if they can keep up a strong defense against the Heat's potent offense and maybe give give their offense a chance then to make up that deficit, you know, I think it'll be tough games either way. Like like Alex said, they just tied up here. Um, and I, I believe I just saw they were going into overtime, correct, Alex? Yeah, they're in overtime right now. Heat up 111 to 110. Oh. Yeah, so you can see it's, it's – uh, you know, it's a game of centimeters right now. I, I don't even want to say inches because that's too big. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's so close. I, I think that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, honestly, I see the series going either way. Yeah. It, I mean, when you get to the finals in either conference, it you know, supposedly you do have the two best teams left. And, and I think that's what we definitely have in the East right now. Talking about the Celtics defense like we were, uh, I kind of want to switch it over to the Miami defense. And Alex, another question for you. Just how do you think that not just in the game going on right now on Tuesday night, but through the whole series, how you guys are going to – what's the game plan for defending guys like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and even Kemba Walker? We, uh, we've been pretty um, – well, actually, real quick, I do actually agree with Justin – if I'm being completely honest, I think seven is probably where it's going to end up going uh, for the series into seven games. I hope it ends up being us. I, I really do. But uh, I, I, these two teams are just in a battle. Um, uh, but then anyway, to your question, we've been a 
pretty s- solid defensive unit the entire year. And since we've been in the bubble, we've been pretty good. Boston has been, I think, statistically better. But Eric Spolster likes to run a really strong double team. Co- people are constantly moving on our defensive front here with our front five, no matter who's in. Uh, and he likes guys long, like a guy like Bam or even Derek Jones Jr. And those guys come in, and it's constant double teams. It's constant backing up. And I think we do that more than most of the other teams in the league. And I think that's how we've been doing so well. And the trade we made earlier in the year to get Andre Guadala and Jay Crowder uh, ended up being, I think, the biggest thing because both those guys can play defense we had Andre Guadalla and Jay Crowder on Giannis pretty much most of the entire series, and they did pretty well. Obviously, in the NBA, you could score 29, you know, Giannis can have 29 points, and it looks like he wasn't defended well, but when you really watch the game, he actually was defended pretty well. Uh, it's just kind of how basketball works. You're never going to shut down really ever these elite players when they want to score. Uh, But I think if we just keep this grind up, not getting tired, fighting through that pain, keeping up with your double teams, and not turning the ball over, because we tend to turn the ball over quite a bit, uh, when we get our offense going, we're not turning the ball over, and we can keep doing that, I think that's when our shots start to fall, we start to feel a rhythm, and then the heat end up upsetting teams like the Bucks. Well, and, uh, you know, like like you said, weather the storm, that's that's going to be a big key. And part of, I think what's made Miami so good at weathering the storm throughout the playoffs. And it's not something that I hear talked about too much. The amount of times that Jimmy Butler gets himself to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I heard where he's averaging 11 free throw attempts per game in the playoffs right now. And with the, you know, a shooter of his caliber, he's making most of those. I mean, sometimes, like Justin said, defense wins championships, but I also believe sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And part of having a really good offense is, you know, getting in the paint, drawing contact and getting to the line. I think Butler is getting, I think, what did they say? 68% of his shots in the playoffs right now are coming from inside the paint, which is just insane. Yeah. And I mean, Jimmy couldn't shoot threes to save his life before the shutdown. And now he's pretty lethal at three since being in the playoffs and I think that's been big too so I I mean Jimmy Jimmy's a big part of that as well as guys like Tyler Hero I mean who knew that this 20 year old kid uh was gonna show up and be such I mean he's playing right now in overtime with 30 seconds left and he's been constantly put in these clutch lineups we've just got the underdog mentality the ice is in everybody's veins and they they get it they know that they Everybody doesn't think they should be here, and they they are here, and they're trying to really use that as good momentum. Yeah, well, and uh, final heat question that I have for you is, uh, besides Jimmy Butler, who do you think's been your guys' MVP up to this point in the playoffs? Oh, that's tough. Because every series, it kind of felt like somebody else has shown up. Going off of recently, I'd probably actually give it to Tyler Hero because he has played such important minutes and he's made very important hard shots and he's been pretty solid on the defense I say that as he just in the game (laughs) did not play well on defense but he he's done really well it would be either him or probably Bam uh, our other all-star with Bam Adebayo because he he he's he knows how to get around uh, and move around in the paint really well great rebounder he's got the length his shots I think improve uh, gamely I think he's constantly improving and he's already a solid shooter but I'd, 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 I'll give it to Hero just because Hero's been sticking out more in the Bucks series and then in this game tonight well just uh, for the record not that it means anything but I'm really having fun watching Duncan Robinson so him yeah. too man <laughs> but uh, I don't know uh, Justin you got any final heat or just NBA playoff thoughts Honestly, I'm excited to see how they go. That's my first time really kind of following a playoff. I mean, I think this is the most I've watched ever of NBA playoffs. So I'm excited to see how it goes. And uh, it should be a good series, honestly. Yeah, I totally agree. And then I guess if I were to just say anything about things going on on the other side of the bracket, I don't think anyone should want to face Denver because they've proven now twice that they can gun pack from a 3-1 deficit. You know, they pushed the Clippers to a game seven here on Tuesday night. And as of the time of recording this, we obviously don't know what happened in that game. 
but uh, they're a tough out. So I think it's just it's been a, it's been a fun playoffs for sure. Yeah, it's it's been really cool in this and hockey especially to see some teams rally and and push their limits. Where kind of like Alex said, you know, the Heat, you know, people didn't expect them to be here, but they've pushed their limits and they've. I really like the term ice in their veins. They're just, they're playing to win because they know they've got, you know, everything to gain and nothing to lose at this point. Yeah. Well, and you know, Jimmy Butler, like we were talking so much about, uh, this is first ever conference finals appearance. So expect the guy to leave it all out there. Like he has been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You say that as Jimmy Butler just drove with 12 seconds left to put us up by one and drew the and one. You're welcome. I spoke it into existence. <laughs> Please keep it up. It's that, you know, real quick too. the, you know, the ice in the veins, it's RIP to the legend, man. It's the, it's the Mamba mentality. Yep. Yeah. And I think definitely. that's translated for the entire bubble where guys have played way harder because of that alone. Just this year's playoffs is so much different and more challenging than a normal year's playoffs. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really impressive to see what guys are doing and, like I said, I just love a good underdog story. So you've got me pulling for the heat. And I've told this story before on the podcast, but uh, my one and only NBA game I ever saw in person, I got to see Wade and the Heat play back when I was probably 12. So uh, that was Jealous. a fun night. Fun night. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm pulling for the heat. Well, I appreciate it. So if we've got no other final thoughts on basketball, the other thing we wanted to talk about tonight is the wild week that was week one in the NFL. And yeah, Justin, I'll let you kind of take charge of this section. Yeah. So I kind of thought of a segment that I think would be good for, especially this first week, Alex, for you and I, but talking about, I I thought I got to think of a better name, but upset games and upsetting games, because there was a lot of both this week. Sometimes they were combined. Um, (laughs) Alex, I think you know the game that I'm talking about specifically for that one. Um, cause yeah. Let's talk about your Eagles and the, the team formerly known as the Redskins, the Washington football team. Honestly, um, let's just go back to NBA basketball so I don't have to suffer again. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I saw the score of that game, and I could not believe it. I didn't watch it. Um, I was watching uh, at that time. I think that was during the Raiders-Panthers game that I had on that same time mm-hmm. slot. But I could not believe it. I was – incredibly shocked and I'm sure you watched every second of that game can you can you kind of fill me in as someone that that missed it and hasn't had time to catch up on the games that I missed what what happened well uh I don't know again for the third year we're just going to be incredibly injured um whoever moved the Chip Kelly smoothies he had in Philly back in the day that always kept people healthy out of the building needs to be fired (laughs) because ever since we've been nothing but injured and I mean last year I think we were the 11th were uh, most injured team the year before we were the second most injured team and even the year before that we had you know the Super Bowl run it was it wasn't a massive amount of injuries it was like six but those were very six significant players at the time the game, you know, I saw a tweet yesterday uh, or on Sunday night that said um, Carson Wentz until like two or three minutes left in the second quarter was by far the best QB of week one. And the rest of the game, he was by far the worst QB in week one. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, Washington, yeah, I mean, it's tough losing to a team that doesn't have a name. but Washington you know I give them a lot of flack but they they have a really good D-line Montez Sweat is that who's on the other side they drafted last year and then they've got now they've got Chase Young they've got a really good D-line and we went into the game with or the season without our starting right guard and Brandon Brooks who should have been comeback player the year last year he came back from a torn Achilles in like six months and then played the rest of the year didn't miss I think he missed a few snaps and missed one game or something like that but it wasn't for an injury it was for personal reasons uh and then we also went into the season losing our second year first round draft pick and Andre Dillard we bring Jason Peters back we put him at right guard then we move him back to left tackle so then we put two guys on the right or then Lane Johnson who's a pro bowl right tackle is out for this game and then we end up putting two guys who have never taken a snap 
And then one of those Ooh. guys, a rookie, gets hurt. So we throw in another guy, uh, Jordan Mailata, who was a rugby player that's been on our team for the last three years, who also had never taken a snap for us. He had been constantly just on the roster getting better, and he didn't play great. But then for some reason, you know, you'd think it was just they attacked from the right side, but they sacked Wentz eight times, and it was the entire O-line. No Miles Sanders, no Alshon Jeffrey. Wentz just could, didn't have the time, and Wentz already tends to hang on to the ball a little too long. And it just, it just, it was a recipe for disaster. And our defense played out of their minds better than they have the last two years. I mean, they played great. The score won't show it because towards the end they were gassed. And that's mm -hmm. when Washington started really putting it on. If the offense stays out there and I mean, Boston Scott got hurt too with no Miles Sanders. We were running with Corey Clement and an undrafted rookie. I think oh, I can't even remember his name right now. If I'm being honest with you, but and for you not to know uh, an Eagles player's name, that's that's something rare. Well, it also might just be that the Heat just won an OT, and I'm just kind of blanking on the guys that you know have been on the roster for a week. <laughs> you know, I might need another week to yeah to, to get that one. But uh, I mean, we just didn't run the ball. The schemes didn't work. And one of the things that Philly runs so well is their screen game, especially to the mm -hmm. tight ends. We ran, I think it was eight screens, got a total of six or I think it was eight screens and like 16 yards the entire game off of those. And that's not good. And the RPOs weren't working. It just, everything collapsed. And I think we're, I was saying this to my buddies uh, in our fantasy football chat during Sunday's game where they're a good half of the league needed the preseason. I know a lot of the vets don't want it mm -hmm. and didn't want it like an Aaron Rodgers. And those guys clearly didn't need it. Lamar didn't need it. Patty didn't need it. Aaron Rodgers didn't need it. Breeze apparently didn't need it, but even your boy Brady and the Bucks probably needed a preseason game. I think yeah, and I, I do want a preseason game. To talk about that too. Yeah, I think they just needed it. I yeah, all our receivers were decimated last year. Why should we be able to come in and be this insane team when none of these guys have taken the reps together? They haven't built the chemistry. They haven't done anything. And I think mm -hmm. the lack of preseason hurt us. I don't want four preseason games, but one or two. I think would have helped in a lot. And this is a game we should have won. So we better really figure it out quick because our schedule is a first place schedule and it's going to get tough. And that's, um, I think the defense, I, even like the veteran defense, I think they needed it because every game I watched, the defense just could not keep up. They were gassed by that fourth quarter, kind of like you said. And I think, uh, and I don't remember who the commentator was. I think it was on the Falcon Seahawks game. He said it really well. It was like, you can do all the running and conditioning practice you want, but until you are actually playing those games, you are not conditioned for a game. The only way to get there is just to play. And I think that's really true. And I think that's yeah. where the, the defenses and, you know, some of the rookies and the newer guys lost out is that, that sense of actually being in the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I totally agree with what you said where, you know, about half the teams probably needed a preseason game or two. Uh, and I think, even within teams, parts of the team probably needed it more than other parts. Like Justin, you were saying the defenses, even with mm -hmm. Seattle's game, uh, I thought our offense looked really sharp, but it was our defense that, you know, parts of it were very suspect. And I think a preseason game or two under the belt going in would have really helped that, you know, they gave up 450 passing yards and mm -hmm. usually that's not going to be a formula for success. So yeah, I think a preseason game or two, maybe not four like they usually do, but one or two would have definitely been a nice little tune-up for most teams. I, I agree. I don't think that they should completely cut out the preseason. This year I understand why they did, but in the future I think maybe, like, like you guys have said, one or two would be good. And, yeah, Alex, I was really surprised. I wish I would have watched that game because I would have liked to see it because I think the Eagles are a really good team – that are very injury prone, as you mentioned. So I do want to ask you, um, and believe me, I do like the Eagles. I love, I love watching <laughs> healthy Carson Wentz play. I think it was his MVP season. The guy, his MVP season was the year you guys won the Super Bowl, right? Well, he didn't win the MVP, but he, he would have had he not gotten hurt, but yeah. MVP, okay. So I've been saying that. So it's MVP caliber season. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I call it the same thing. So Yeah. But his MVP season, it was the game against the Broncos. I watched that game, and I was just in awe. I was like, this is the most 
fun football I've ever watched because he was just he was just tearing Denver apart, and it was amazing to watch. He was hitting any and every receiver he had on that team. Yeah, and it was it was he plays amazing football. Um, and I hate to see him hurt all the time because I think, and I, I the the question I want to ask is. Do you think if he continues to get hurt the way he has these past couple of years, do you think there will always be kind of a question mark on his career? Like the, what could he have done if he could stay healthy? The what if, you know, I used to say when he, when we first drafted him, I thought people, I think tend to get a little too crazy with floor and ceilings on guys. Um, And maybe I'm one of them and maybe I'll prove that here, but I always thought Wentz's floor was going to have a career similar to Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. and his ceiling was going to be something uh, closer to an Aaron Rodgers or a Drew Brees where he would get some injuries, but he would be really good, or he would get more than some injuries, be injured quite often like Palmer was, mm-hmm. but still somehow have the longevity and have a couple of decent runs. And I still think he's trending that way. I'm glad when we got rid of Foles that we did that because I, don't, I, I love Foles to death but Wentz is better than him. Uh, I hated the Jalen Hurts pick we brought, we got in the second round this year. Uh, When it first happened, I've completely come around on it because if Wentz can't stay healthy, teams need to move on as much as I love him. Uh, I don't, I hope not. I mean, Wentz put on 13 pounds of muscle this off season, already off of the muscle he added last off season. And this is the first off season since that year where he's coming in completely healthy already. Mm-hmm. Uh, every other year since um, his rookie year, he, when he tore his ACL, he's in had to rehab first and then get back into form. Now it's just show up, train, work out, and I think that helps. Taking eight sacks and however many pressures and hits he probably took in that game is not good, but that's on the O-line, uh, and it's on Howie Roseman as, as the GM to make sure the O-line stays yeah, how, for him. how much help have they been getting him in the draft and in the offseason uh, free agent signings for O-line help? I, I don't pay attention to the Eagles signings all too often, but. Well, they took Andre Dillard last year in, in, with our first pick, mm-hmm. um, and Dillard is good. He just sat for a year. He was redshirted for a year behind Jason Peters because Jason Peters was still at 38 years old at top left tackle in football last year. Mm -hmm. We finally were ready to move on. And then the kid tore his ACL. Um, And then Brandon Brooks, who again, should have been comeback player of the year at right guard, a top right guard in football, tore his other Achilles after coming back from an Achilles tear the year before. So, I mean, Jason Kelsey is still there. Travis's brother, who's a pro bowl center. Lane Johnson's a uh, like three or four time pro bowl, right? Good tackle. He just wasn't in this game. I mean, we invest a lot on the O-line, but again, it comes down to the preseason. We put in two guys who had never started a game. If they had just gotten two preseason games, even that might have helped them enough to prevent one or two of those sacks. And then that eight goes to six. Those two plays could have been bombs to a Deshaun Jackson or a Jalen Rager. And I think we definitely try to keep the O-line. And I just think the injuries have hurt us too much I want Howie to make a trade though I want Howie to go find somebody make a trade for a solid lineman who could be a backup or a starter but he's solid so that way we just have a little insurance because now I'm just nervous you know I I am surprised that the Eagles lost and the more I think about it too I think a lot of people discounted the Washington football team because of their performance the past couple of years but we do need to remember, they do have Ron Riviera there now, who is a tried and tested coach. And they do have some, like you mentioned, their their D-line is quite good. They have their second-year receiver. Uh, oh, my gosh. I always call him Scary Terry in fantasy, and I can't remember his last name now. Uh, Terry McLaurin? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, he's good. Yeah, he, he's really, really good. And I think uh, a lot of people kind of forget about him because he plays for Washington. But so Washington, you know, does have some decent pieces. Do I think they're a playoff team or even a net positive team this year? No, but I think um, it's one of those things that teams are going to underestimate them and they're going to, they're going to win some games that they weren't favored to win. And in division games are always tough. The yeah, Redskins that's true always, too. Or the, 
the TBDs now always play us tough. The Giants always play us tough. The Cowboys always play us tough. And, I mean, teams tend to – I mean, look at the Patriots for the last, like, five years have always had some weird loss to Miami. They've always had some weird loss. And I've, I've come around after being so mad from that game on Saturday where it's like, let's not overreact. I mean, there were, remember, there was like three years in a row where the Patriots went like two and two to start the year. And then like two were bad games with teams who weren't very good that they lost to. And the entire narrative was their Patriots dynasty's over and then Brady win one of their Super Bowl. So yeah. it's just about sitting down in those meetings and figuring everything out and really hitting yeah. the grind and getting healthy. Yeah, and so you bring up Brady, and I'd love to talk about the Buccaneers. I'm going to shoehorn. I'm going to segue myself into the Buccaneers. (laughs) (laughs) And a funny statistic I saw, I don't know that it's going to trend true, but I thought it was interesting, is Brady has played the Saints in week one before. Twice, in fact. He's lost both those games. Those two years went on to win a Super Bowl. Do I think that's going to happen? I'd love it to happen. (laughs) But – um, and Alex, I get your frustration because as a person, you know, a fellow football fan that had their team lose, and I think, you know, as fans of teams, you get hyped up for that week one game. You're you're just sorry. You're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to play so good. Yeah, you, and I think real real quick off of that before you continue, Justin, yeah, I think uh, this year more than ever, the hype was higher than it might have ever been for, like, every fan yeah, because absolutely. of the shutdown, because of no sports for so long. And football is, I mean, football is the number one sport in America for a reason. It's like by far the numbers are ahead. And I think just the fans wanted it. They wanted that Sunday escape. Yeah. They just wanted it. And I think, I think the hype hit everyone too much. Well, and I think a lot of people too, with their newfound free time, they're analyzing a lot more of the off season, you know, kind of more behind the scenes stuff that usually yeah. happens. And they're like, oh, wow, we signed that guy. Wow, he seems pretty good. Wow, I think we got him for a deal. Yeah, anyway, so obviously as as several of my students keep reminding me, several of my friends keep reminding me, the Buccaneers lost to the Saints pretty pretty roughly this past Sunday. And it wasn't due to injury. A lot of it was our, our own darn mistakes. Tom Brady uh, talked in his press conference after the game about leaving the, or the defense hanging out to dry, which our, our defense, I think, was – more or less the the high point the the shining star of the game uh we held alvin Kamara to the a career low in yards we pretty much contained michael thomas but there's just some discipline mistakes that we need to work on there's a period where it was a fourth and fourth and three i think and breeze was at the line and was able to get our our defense to jump off sides you know and he's able to do that, and he was able to do that like three or four times, all in a row. Which I believe Vita Vea was the big, the big culprit there. Uh, so we had a lot of penalties that we just brought on ourselves. There was a couple of penalties I didn't necessarily agree with the refs on, but I'm not going to be that fan that argues with the refs on things that could probably go either way. But our defense played fairly well. There's still mistakes there that need to be fixed, and on the offensive side of the ball, I just don't think we've had enough time to gel I was really hoping because you know everything I've seen out of training camp looks really good but that is training camp it's a environment that things are supposed to look good in I hope it starts to gel I think Tom Brady is a a good leader in the locker room he he's got the experience so I think he should be at least and honestly I think he and coach Arians both bring a good culture to the Buccaneers where I think the team is, you know, okay, we got to improve. They're, they're going to try to figure it out. We're in the past where we were perennially, you know, seven and nine, six and 10, you know, people are just like, fine, I guess. And, you know, a lot of those people are gone now. And, and Arians has been pretty, pretty big on that. And also a guy that I kind of, I don't want to say I forget about him, but I, I think I underappreciate him because he was hurt for, for a while, but, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul has also really pushed that from what I've seen. I forget and he's on your team. I know. You know, he he was he played on Sunday. Anyway, so I, I hope it comes together, obviously. Um, of course, I have uh, a Saints fan that's already like, yeah, how does it feel to go 8-8 eight and eight this season? I'm like, better than 7-9. and nine. Let me tell you that. 
So uh, listening to you guys talk about your games, um, Justin, you called this segment the upset loss and the upsetting losses. Is it safe to say yeah. for both of you those are the upsetting losses? Yes, for me, absolutely. Yeah, this this might be the worst game I've ever watched uh, the Eagles Although, play, in my opinion. And, Jared, I hope you're going to talk about it. There's another game that I think a lot of I fans am. are really upset about. I don't know. I, I'll let you take it. Okay, so I obviously don't have a loss to talk about for my own team this weekend. Not to really oh, brag. Oh, good for you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm um, for you. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, yeah, our game with Atlanta. You know, I, I don't, I'm super happy about it. You know, honestly, I don't have too many takeaways from that game other than Russ looks sharp and our defense has some stuff to work on and that Jamal Adams was definitely the right trade to make. Anyway, not in my game, though. I wanted to put myself in the shoes of a fan base who did lose in a very upsetting way, and it would have to be Lions fans. Uh, Justin, is that the game you were thinking of? Yes, that is absolutely the game I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you're at home, and sure, it's a different year where home fields are generally going to be empty. So, But your team's at home. You don't have to travel, and uh, you're welcoming in the Bears, not a team that is viewed as a mountain of a challenge usually. And uh, you have a chance at the end to win it. You drive all the way down on the arm of Matt Stafford to what was it like it did well into the red zone mm-hmm. with less than 30 seconds left and uh, rookie Deandre Swift. I'm sure he doesn't need to hear about this again, but drops a wide open would be game winner touchdown in the end zone. He had his defender beat by a good step and a half or two and it touched his hands. Cardinal rule for receivers. If it touches your hands, you better come down with it and it falls through with 11 seconds to go next play lions can't get it done and mitch trubiscuit and the bears come in and win and that's just gotta be heartbreaking and lions fans like you know they're used to this heartbreak but that's that's where i'd probably put my most upsetting loss of the weekend you know for a team that ended up losing yeah either them or uh cincinnati who i'd like to get to in a little bit yeah i I wasn't watching that live, but I was talking with a friend of ours, Mark, when it happened, and he's like, he was just in stunned silence. He's like, they just lost the game on that. That should have been the game winner. And I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, he hit him perfectly. The guy just dropped it. Oh, yeah, it was a beautiful throw. I mean, you couldn't – you know, as a receiver, he couldn't have asked for a better throw. It was right there, you know, but that's what Stafford does. Ear rookie shake it off it's going to be kind of hard to shake that one off i think but shake it off learn from it and do something next week that redeems yourself i guess he so, should uh he should put a phone call into nelson aguilar he knows a thing or two about <laughs> dropping dive balls uh, uh, really, you don't say. so uh i think that's all of our upsetting losses let's move on to our biggest upsets of the weekend who wants to take that one well you said you wanted to talk about the sensi game so i'm gonna let you go so I'm that's, not, I think that's not my upset, but, oh. uh, well, I, I would have probably pegged the chargers to win that game going in, maybe not in the way they won, but what I did want to talk about out of the Cincinnati game oh. is, uh, Joe Burrow, the Bengals fans, you got a real one. That kid's going to be a star in this league. And I saw it on that last drive, the Bengals get the ball down three you know, with just a little over two minutes to go at their own 13-yard line, and they're asking their rookie quarterback, yes, and he was the number one pick with all the hype around him, to come in, though, in his first ever NFL game. And he did everything right on that last drive. He went eight for 11, threw for 60 yards on that last drive alone, led him all the way down, uh, 69 yards down the field, set up a chance to win it, or at least not win it, excuse me, tie it, send it to overtime, and uh, kicker – just shanks it and I I understand he he pulled something uh in his calf muscle I believe it was on the kick so he hurt himself I don't know how much you can attribute to that or whatever but you cannot put that loss on Joe Burrow and for a rookie to come in and show that kind of poise and that kind Mm -hmm. of gumption under pressure to lead his guys all the way down and and he would have had a game-winning touchdown pass had AJ Green not pushed off in the end zone you know he placed that ball perfectly where only green could catch it unfortunately green had to give a little arm shove to get it 
and the referees called it back. But, you know, as far as Joe Burrow's concerned, you can't ask for much more. I mean, really, the only thing he did in that game that what I would call a blemish is he had a textbook rookie mistake where he was trying to make too much happen, and he tried a little sidearm flip, and it got intercepted by one of the big boys at the line. But he came right back and, you know, just mentally tough. Yeah, I was duly impressed. And uh, the Bengals fans, you you should be really happy with your number one overall pick. Yeah, he looked good, man. He did. I felt for him. I, that's a tough way to lose your first NFL game. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm excited to see some Bengals football with him at the head. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to – I think the, there's going to be some really good football coming out of, out of that division there. The AFC North? Yeah. yeah. Well, I agree. And my Super Bowl pick kind of before the season started was Green Bay and Baltimore. And – that was another one of my takeaways from the weekend is uh, that Super Bowl pick is looking pretty strong, at least out of the first week. Yep. I would be really afraid of both of those teams, you know. Yeah, it seems like the last couple of years, being this year and last year, Baltimore has just come out, stepped on the gas, and not let up. They make a, like, a, hey, we're, we're here. We're going to put up some numbers. Last year they did it to the Dolphins. Oh, my gosh, that was a game to watch. Marquise Brown just – he couldn't do anything to not be open. Like that guy could have been sitting on the bench and he still would have been open. And this year they, they obviously did the again to the Browns. You know, they only gave up six points on the Browns. And do you guys know how many games total last year, the Ravens D held an opponent to under 10? How many? Uh, just two. Nine. Just two. Oh yeah. So wow. yeah, it was Houston and the Rams last year. They held them to, I believe it was like six and seven or something wow. like that. So, yeah, the These defense, yeah, they look good. And Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Justin, I know you've said this before, came out of the gates mad. I think he's very mad about that uh, number first-round draft. Yeah. Throws for 364 yards, four touchdowns on the Vikings. More impressively, though, the Packers offense held the ball for 41 minutes and 16 seconds in that game. That's crazy. Um, they didn't even you know, give Minnesota a chance. Uh, if I can, I'll say – one thing about the Packers, uh, one of my co-hosts on the Get Back Guys is a big Packer fan. And we talked a lot, like, the, the narrative the media have had, and even Rodgers had, we need a wide receiver, we need wide receiver help, we need it, we need to get somebody. And they didn't. And so everybody's upset about it. Well, all they did was get guys to help improve all the other positions on the field where they still got one game away from the Super Bowl last year. And now all these receivers have a second year in their new system. And we may not love, love it because it's not a name outside of Devontae Adams. And, yes, they still might need help. But right now they're looking pretty good. I mean, even on Sunday, that system looked like it was really starting to figure itself out. That kind of Sean McVay system that Matt LaFleur – you know, has helped create, he, they, they looked good and they've got a great run game. They've got an elite top five wide receiver already. And they've got a decent couple guys with them, but to another year in the system and the rest of the team is just looking better. Uh, Green Bay is still scary. I mean, they did all that without, you know, getting to the game away from the Super Bowl last year. And all they did was add other pieces on other areas of need. I think people were a little too harsh on Green Bay, and I think they're going to be pretty good all year. I see where you're coming from, but I think last year, Green Bay, I think their record was better than they were. Uh, I think they were kind of, you know, this might be attributed to young guys, but, you know, they didn't play like a championship team last year for getting a game away from the Super Bowl. You know, they had a, they had a schedule where some of those games, they should have handily won with what they had, and they – we're kind of scraping by. Yeah, I, I think they're scary. They, you know, they put up 43 points on Minnesota. And the last time they scored that many points in a game was in December of 2018 when they played the Jets. So mm -hmm. the, their offense looked really good coming out of the gate. They put up 522 total yards. They were just clicking on all cylinders. I think they're always, it seems to be a perennial contender, at least in the NFC. And this year, and I know it's only one weekend, but, man, they look really good. I hate to move us off of Green Bay talk. I know Zach 
my brother is probably salivating to hear more of how great the Packers are. <laughs> but before we wrap up, we need to talk about the Jaguars. Yeah, that was going to be my upset <laughs> game. <laughs> Let's talk about the Jaguars. I think, Jared, you and I both agreed. We thought Andy was going to win that game. You know, if anyone listened to our last week's episode, episode seven, I knew this was going to happen. I already look like an idiot because <laughs> I said that I only thought Jacksonville was going to win two games this year. and They've already halfway there in the first week. And no, I did not think they were going to beat Indianapolis this weekend. And uh, a guy I know we all three love, Gardner Minshew, man. The mustache came to play. A mustache, man. Just, I guess my one takeaway from that game is just any stat that jumped out was me was he went 19 for 20 on his passes. That's 95% completion. That's by far the best in his career. And he threw three touchdowns, which ties the most he's ever thrown in a single game in his career. So uh, when he said a couple weeks ago that he refused to let the Jags tank, I believe him now. You know, and sometimes a quarterback that's a good leader can elevate people to play better than they usually play. And if he's got the locker room charisma to back up his off-field charisma, you know, maybe we'll see some Jaguars players become some real playmakers where they normally wouldn't have. Um, yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited. I Jacksonville is just such an X factor. It seems like all the time on how they're gonna do. You know, one year they're in the playoffs, the next year they suck real bad. Next year after that, they got Gardner Minshew, and all of a sudden they're kind of doing okay again. And then, Alex, what was your takeaway from that game? You know, I I liked what um, uh, elite NFL punter should be Monday Night Football commentator Pat McAfee said about it, where he uh, he said he thinks the Colts threw the game away to make sure the Jags couldn't tank so the Colts could get Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> the conspiracy um, runs deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the I love the conspiracies, but um, you know, Minshew played really well. The team played well. Again, no, the Colts are a team that needed preseason and they needed it bad. And yeah. Phillip didn't play well. And Phillip has been hit and miss, honestly, his whole career. So many people love him. I've had a very love hate relationship with Phillip because it seemed like every year in the, you know, the 2010s, it was the Chargers going to be great. Phillip's great. They're going to be great. And they went and won seven games and didn't do anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've had a couple good years. They were in the playoffs a couple years ago, and they were solid, but then they still got smoked. The Colts needed time. Uh, they lost Marlon Mack for the game in the year, and That's that rough. is a big hit. And I know there's a big narrative out about their rookie that they drafted, about him going to be the, this next big thing. I, I, don't, I think that was a little too, too overreaction right away because Marlon Mack is young and came off of a 1,000-yard season. He was playing great. And he played great in that game until he got hurt. Uh, I think the game showed more about the Colts having problems than it did with the Jaguars uh, being really good. And I think that's the same for my Eagle game. Um, I was happy to see it, but I don't think the Jaguars are going to still not be a contender for the, you know, a top three pick. I think they're still going to be pretty bad. I hope, I mean, if they surprise me, good, because I like Minshew. But, I mean, they have, who else is on that team? I mean, it's it's Gardner Minshew and who? Like, I can't name uh, anybody else. D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark. <laughs> what is D.D. Westbrook? What have those guys done in, you know, they've been fine. But, like, no, they don't have anybody elite anymore. All the players they had three years ago, but the fact that no one is there now, I, they're in complete rebuild mode. Even if the players don't know it or believe it. They're, they looked good. It was a weird game. Phillip two, threw two picks. They... The Colts have more to figure out, I think. And yeah. I think it was more on the Colts. Well, I would agree with that, too. I th- I, I'm i going to have to adjust my pick last week. Maybe they won't win just two games this year. That was probably super harsh. I'll maybe bump it up to five or six even. But I still think that, yeah, they're going to struggle by and large this season. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested to see what guys can do when their team is – talked about all over the nation is in a rebuilding year, you know, that's got to be hard to hear when you play for that team and the season's just starting. So it's going to be fun to watch. And it's like you said, you know, I kind of hope we're wrong here. I really do like Minshew and uh, I like that Jags team, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be a, it's uphill sledding for them for most of the season. 
And uh, I know we got to wrap it up real soon here, but the last team I feel like we would be doing a disservice without mentioning is the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, absolutely. You know, going into San Francisco, it is something I kind of believed in the two weeks leading up to the season that that was a huge opportunity for them to make a statement game to go in and defeat the defending NFC champs and your division rival on the road. Kyler Murray got it done, but more specifically, DeAndre Hopkins got it done. And I hope that Bill O'Brien is out the door in Houston by Friday. I know he won't be, but he should be. (laughs) DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches for 151 yards. Those catches, 14, that's a career best. And let me tell you, somebody who had him on his fantasy team, that was really nice. And they held San Francisco – their defense, you know, is what really impressed me too. They held San Francisco to 2-11 and on third down, and they held them to 20 points. Last year, San Francisco scored 20 points or below only four times all season. Yeah, the Cardinals just – you know, they kind of cemented what I and I think a lot of people kind of believed about them going into this season is that – they're taking a step up as much as I hate to say that in the NFC West. And they're going to be right there in the mix, I think, with Seattle and San Francisco when this thing comes down to an end. If I may, um, I thought two teams this year have the biggest chance of being what the Eagles were in 2017, where they got a young quarterback, they load up on the weapons, their defense needs to, you know, they've got good pieces, but will they bring it together? And I thought it was Denver and the Cardinals. And my brother on the Get Back Guys got me real swaying towards the Cardinals more than Denver. And I was so hyped for that game. That game was awesome. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I have a buddy who constantly was saying, I t- I, D-Hop, Nuke is on my fantasy team. He told me I don't like the pick because he's in the spread offense now. Well, Hopkins had like 30 points, got the ball tons of times, should have had a touchdown that was taken away. That Cardinals team is going to be good. I do not envy you, Jared. You are in the toughest division in football. You know? Yeah, absolutely. The Cardinals, and I know I've talked about it before. Alex, I actually think I talked about it on your guys' podcast when you invited me on. They're a team that I I hate to love because they're in my division, but I really wish they weren't because if they weren't, I think I could full-heartedly support them. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for them because of Fitz. I don't know how you couldn't because of him, but also anytime I can watch the 49ers lose, it's a good day. And uh, that's kind of, yeah, it didn't, I mean, I guess you could technically classify it as an upset, but I, it didn't shock me in the slightest that that they went in there and got that win. Cardinals are going to be tough this year. They They preseason too. Sorry, Justin, go ahead. Oh no. I've just talked about Jared and I both talked about how we, we do, regardless of our other feelings towards other teams, we do like the Cardinals uh, and they're, I'm with you. Got good players on there. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep rehashing. I think they're going to be good. And I think they're going to be scary this year. Yeah. I think they're definitely a playoff team this year, uh, whether it be a wild card or maybe even winning the West. I don't know, but it's going to be, I'm yeah. looking, I'm both scared and looking forward to Seattle's games with them. They're going to be fun. I, I think one of the things too, that makes them scary is Hopkins, I think is playing with a chip on him. Sh- on his shoulder because of what happened in Houston. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's too bad. We don't play Houston this year, honestly, that the NFC West doesn't play that division because that would be yeah. a fun one. <laughs> but, that would uh, be a really fun game. All I know is that the Texans could have definitely used him last Thursday night. And uh, <laughs> you, only have, you only have one guy to blame for why he wasn't there. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I think we're about out of time. Yeah. I was just going to say, we need to, we're going to wrap up because it's that time of night. It is. It's that uh, time of day if you're listening during the day. <laughs> uh, Alex, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We've been looking forward yeah, to having you thank you so you much. On. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. We got to get Jared back on. And, Justin, we want you on. We got to talk some bucks. Yeah, get yeah to I'd love to talk to Buccaneers. I know we had your co-host on a couple weeks ago, Kyle Brester, but give your guys' podcast another little uh, plug here. Yeah, the Get Back Guys uh, sports podcast. Uh, me and a couple other buddies started. We're on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple uh, Podcasts. It's a fun time. We are on every Saturday at 11 a.m. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Great quality. It is really good. I listen to it all the time at work. I told Kyle that a couple weeks ago. And now we've had two-thirds of the Get Back Guys on our podcast. we got to get Nick on here at some point. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he'd love to be on, especially after a Packers win. Oh, yeah. wait, we might get him and Justin's brother on at the same time. Two big oh, Packers. Man. <laughs> we'll Packers just sit back, let them going. talk about Aaron Rodgers. It'll be a great episode. <laughs> they can host the show that time. <laughs> but uh, How many times between the two of them do you think they say, the Packers are a storied franchise? <laughs> oh. oh, man. Too many. Oh, we got to make that happen. But anyway, yeah, thanks again, Alex, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And don't forget, party like it's 1976.